we're just like it's like um hotels.com or something we're just an amalgamation of everything everyone else has said <laughs> we're like guy uh, if you want to know what arden thinks it's this if you want to know what jeff thinks it's it's this and uh the blue jays are playing good the, things are good the defense is better the guys are coming around uh vladdy was funny when he squatted wasn't he <laughs> Let's let's rock and roll. It's uh, Friday. <laughs> okay, everybody. It's Friday, May fourteenth. Uh, it's it's currently three oh four Eastern time. Um, this is episode I think seventy eight of Underdogs. Yeah. Your 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 favorite Blue Jays podcast. I'm I'm Jacob Eman. And he's David Patrick Fleming. And uh, like I said, this is underdogs. Uh, we're both feeling a little crazy today. A little, uh, I would say, bad, maybe. A little angry, a little tired, a little aching. Lost. Lost. Hopeless. hopeless. I would have thought that my mood was directly related to the Blue Jays' success, but apparently the two have nothing to do with each other because... Blue Jays looking great. I feel like T fucking rash. Well, maybe it's the opposite because I remember doing an episode not dissimilar to this where Bo had a walk-off home run and we came on, we got on the mics, fired it up right away after it. I'm like, I feel like crap. I'm upset. I hate everything. Maybe maybe as the, the Blue Jays do better and better, we start to feel worse and worse. Well, maybe baseball, what you do with it and what you do with sports is you use it as a vessel for your own anger and your own disappointment and your own dissatisfaction with life. And so when you can't channel that into the baseball, you're like, well, what do I do with it now? Want to just live with it? Is it just like, so fuck you, baseball. That's what it's for. And that's what being a Blue Jays fan usually has been about. But here they are playing really well, second in the AL East swept the Braves, beat the season series sweep of the Braves, and swept miserable. the Braves twice. Yeah. Well, it's kind of weird. I don't know. It seems, I, we just uh, got, the, got the Braves number. Braves, a, a team who were, what, one, one game away from going to the World Series last year, I think, or, or they were in the NLC. They were the NLCS, right? Yeah, the I Braves. think so. I mean, they got the maybe, they got the ex MVP on their team, Freddie Freeman, and probably this year's MVP in Ronald Acuna. Well, have you heard anything about how he got hurt yesterday? Have well, you heard if that's serious or not? Because he he initially I looked think, dead. Yeah, he, he looked he like he was like bury, like he gave up. Yeah, he was like bury my grave here or dig my grave here. Yes, he, like lined his whole body up and was like, "This is how tall I am." Start digging. <laughs> Just spray paint around my body. <laughs> this is the scene. Um, I think I, Snitker said that the X-rays came back negative, so he hasn't, I guess, broken anything or if if that's what they were looking for. Um, you think it's at all embarrassing for a player 
when they take a when they hurt themselves like that, he hops all the way down the right field line and then he lies out and he's sort of like writhing in pain. Do you think it's embarrassing when he gets up and just walks off? Like he's not that hurt. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's not hurt enough to like require to be carried off or stretchered off or something. I mean, it may, maybe it's just pure relief, but is it also kind of like uh, maybe I maybe I overreacted? I think that there is an element of that, and I would say that in that specific instance yesterday he didn't he hopped off and he probably could have put some weight on it and instead he did he wanted to make it seem a bit more serious because he was embarrassed i feel the exact same way and i and i can't say i wouldn't do the same thing it's hard to it's hard to know yeah so i got i got a jab i got a needle in my arm yesterday i got a vaccine um david you've got your vaccine now yeah i'm fully Uh, fully into it you're- I got the as you know what a little quick thing here. Okay. I got the AstraZeneca, and the government sent me an email yesterday saying, uh, "So we've discontinued the AstraZeneca. If you have any <laughs> questions about that, please feel free to let us know. And if you're feeling anything weird, for the love of God, let us know because apparently a lot of people are. And then they're like, well, "For your second dose, we don't know. We we don't know what you'll get." So I was like, "Thanks, thanks, government. I'm glad that I got the AstraZeneca." Yeah, you're getting a little mixed bag. You're going to... Little, little vaccine sangria. <laughs> can, they, can they mix them all up and put it into one juicy shot for you? Well, I'll tell you what the email said. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know yet. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I, I didn't feel any of these major side effects. I don't think. It's hard to tell. You know, when you feel like crap all the time, it's like, I don't know, is it just regular feeling like crap or is it because I got a, a, a little dose of the COVID in, in me to, to go in? Uh, my arm hurts, I'll tell you that much. There's, there's no virus in the Pfizer. That's not the uh, science behind the Pfizer. There is don't virus in the Don't science class. This is baseball. There's no science in baseball. Well, the AstraZeneca is chimpanzee virus for anybody out there who's got the AstraZeneca. Just know you got a bit of chimp in you now is there gonna be like like 10 years from now it's gonna be like clear based like we're gonna be able to look at people and tell which vaccine people got oh yeah for sure um you'll just go by the cemetery and those will be the astrazenecas (laughs) (laughs) and then uh for anybody who's driving by the cemetery or walking by (laughs) pfizer moderna What about the Johnson and Johnsons? They they just have a gray skin or something. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like worm people, <laughs> little wigglers, <laughs> little, little Trent a, Thorntons that, worming around all over the place. <laughs> that's a really funny term to refer to people who have the Johnson and Johnsons like later in life as wigglers. <laughs> uh, you stay away from him. He's a wiggler. <laughs> I don't want you hanging out with Timmy. He's a wiggler. Okay, but you're you're so you got your your AstraZeneca how long ago? Two weeks ago now? Three weeks? It's over the two week period. I don't know, three weeks. I think I think three weeks today actually. So you're like you're like eighty percent immune or or something, right? I could probably lick doorknobs. I could probably do whatever I want. I mean, I could pass it to people, but do you feel about that. do you feel more confident? Uh, I've had a burning in my lungs for about two weeks, so no, I don't feel more confident. And that email, that email yesterday solidified it. I was running seven k. I can't get above four k now. My lungs don't feel good. I got a COVID test last week, negative, but I don't know. Ooh, seven k. 
7K. I, I, I don't know if I could run for longer than seven seconds right now. <laughs> <laughs> like real seconds? If someone was counting Mississippis and I had to go for a, like, like a real, like put a sprint into it, I don't know if I could, if I could last longer than that. My yeah, knee would it, break. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's an interesting because you know there's obviously different paces you can run. I've been trying to pick up my pace. A good question is how long can you run at top speed? I don't even know if I can mentally make myself run at my top speed. Like I don't think I could sprint. Mm-hmm. And I think if I did, I snapped ACL, snapped MCL, like whatever, whatever's just hanging onto a thread, done. Yeah, I couldn't either without. Uh, like someone else to to race against someone else that like made me feel like I had something to prove because I don't well, have that with myself anymore. <laughs> You've also been on the record saying that you're faster than I think seventy percent of major league uh, baseball players. Yeah, I mean the weather's getting nice. I mean we could get out there. We can get the blitz bat out. We can get the blitz balls. We can get some measurements going. I think we lay down a little base action, a little like we get. We're gonna get some science going or whatever. We're gonna get some some measurements, some sprint speeds, and w- and we can measure it. I guess even now, I think like again, like the the little exercise that I've done in this year, um, I still think to... I can sprint faster than I want to say. I want to say twenty percent of MLB players. <laughs> Oh, that number's taking a real hit since the first claim. But <clears throat> I you, think uh, <laughs> by the end of the summer, you know, if I if I move a little bit more, I'm thinking we're getting up to 55, 60% again. You have to dive, you know. You can't just sprint full tilt in the second and keep going. <laughs> like, you'll have to dive in order no, to get the correct, is, in order to get the correct to speed. First. This is home to first. Okay. I thought we were talking about stealing bags, but okay, that's fair. Home to first. So you're going to have to do a mock swing. Yes. And then just tear all hell down to first base. Well, we have to, we have to figure out. I think we got to ask some questions. Maybe like uh, someone at the athletic, like one of those nerds, like Eno Saris or something. Like, cause I want to know, I want to know how they, when they start measuring the time. Is it from the, the swing is finished that, or is it when the ball makes contact? Is it when they drop the bat and they start moving? How do they, how do they record home to first? I would imagine it's your first step. Hmm. But I don't know. But I, I can't think of another way that they would do it other than your first step. Okay. Well, if there's any nerds out there listening and that know about it, please please let us know. I would appreciate it. If there that. are any nerds out there, get a new podcast. We don't like <laughs> nerds. I love nerds, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge, huge nerd. Um. David, you've been watching anything good on TV? Have you watched? Did you watch that Sons of Sam documentary on Netflix yet? Man, I haven't watched shit. I watched the Octopus Teacher, and I was like, "What a what a story! What a story! What what a capturing of an odd relationship that we are so privileged to be able to witness in the year that we live in because of the technology that exists in our world. What what a tale of love!" Yeah, I don't that, know what, that's why I avoided it. I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, this looks real mushy. This looks like a feel-good story. Where can I see something more about shooting innocent people in the face with 44 revolvers? and Oh, that's the American and, news. Yeah. 
Well, uh, the Sons of Sam documentary on Netflix. I recommend checking that out. I, I've been watching Mayor of East Town, that uh, Kate Winslet vehicle on HBO. That's uh, that's been that's been pretty good. I'm enjoying that. I've been going through waves of watching shows and not, and I'm just in a big not watching. Just the only thing I put my eyes on in terms of TV is baseball, and then just trash youtube videos i'm trying to learn new chess openings i'm learning sure. the, v- the vienna system vienna gambit all that throwing people off with white e4 openings anybody out there plays chess try the vienna really throws people off right 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 see i would probably be in the same boat as you and i do spend a lot of time on youtube and it's actually getting in the way of my baseball viewing. I feel like it's hard, like the baseball, it's hard to keep my attention when I can also be watching YouTube videos. You start during a commercial and then it's like, ah, it's just Danny Jansen's at bat. I could finish watching this video about this loadout in Warzone or, you know, whatever. I find it really interesting that I wait all day for the game to start. I have this excitement in me for the game to start. And then as soon as the game starts, I put my head in my phone and watch YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what I was saying about the TV, I feel like I'd be in the same position where I wouldn't be watching as much TV if I didn't have the girlfriend, Brittany, and having to like counteract, counterbalance watching as much baseball as I do. I have to also right. be like, oh, there's no baseball game tonight. Let's, yep, we can watch something else. Let's watch, let's watch this. She she suggested the Sons of Sam thing and then had no interest in it. Was on her phone the whole time, which drives me crazy yeah. because I can, I, I I can be on my phone when I'm watching baseball. Sometimes I, I have a better time when I can put it down and I focus and I get into the game. I have a great time. But when I'm watching TV shows, when there's then there's storylines involved, and especially, you know, anyone who has a partner out there who asks a lot of questions during TV shows when they're on their phone, it's a particularly frustrating experience, right? Because you yeah. know. You, I see something happening, and I'm like, you're not paying attention. You're going to be confused. Cue 10 seconds later when you're asking me about it, and we're missing more <laughs> because you're talking over this part now. And now I'm missing it, and I'm not going to be able to uh, give you the information as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's frustrating. It's always frustrating when you're really into something, and you're trying to get somebody else either into it, or you just want to share it with somebody. And- you just you even if they're not necessarily on their phone, you just feel that energy that they're not really present with it. They're not really paying attention, especially if it's a movie or a TV show where yeah. you you know all the details of it. You know the the plot moments that are really important that like really stood out to you when you watched it the first time, and they're sort of looking away, and you're like, you didn't you didn't see that yes. that moment. Now how, how how could you possibly enjoy this if you didn't you didn't see that that moment? And it's it's not even like I didn't make that show. It's nothing to do with me. And people can experience things the way they want to but it's really frustrating all i could think about while you were saying that too is happy gilmore for some reason i was trying to think of some detail in happy gilmore that someone might miss that could be important but uh of course there that's not necessarily the case uh sorry david you wanted to say something 
Do you have no? I was, uh, I was, I was, I stopped myself from going on an Adam Sandler thing, and I don't think it's important that we do that. So let let's just honor the fact that I kept that to myself. Was it going to be pro Adam Sandler or anti Adam Sandler? I got time for Adam Sandler. I like Adam Sandler. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. it was pro, it was pro Adam Sandler for sure. Okay, great. Um, hey, listen, the Blue Jays are rolling right now. Um. We're talking a little baseball. It is such underdogs, but you know, I, I, I we we preface the show. We're feeling a little bit a little bit weird, so we're just we're just letting it come to us. Okay, if you're a little, there's a skip button. You could have skipped this. <laughs> you could turn it off. I don't care. Thank you for listening. Thank you across the world. You know, we see we see you out there in Taiwan downloading this. I see you I see you guys in England. Germany, you know, all across all across the world. So thank you. Um, but yeah, the Blue Jays. Some somehow I don't know about you, David. It feels like a a critical time of the season to me right now. Despite it being early, we're four game we're four games over five hundred, and that feels significant to me because right now. With another series win, like if we win the Phillies series, another two games, we say we lose one. Then we're, then we're what, five, six games over 500? Five. We're five games over 500 going into this, this sweet chunk of the season where we get Bo Sox, Rays, Yankees. And we start, we start getting that like five, 10 games over 500. Now you've got a cushion to work with and like you can just keep rolling through the series and you get a win here and it keeps you keep you keep building and even if you lose a series here or there you're not like oh we're dipping we're almost at 500. There's just something about right now where I feel like if we keep on the rise right now we might never come down. It's it's like you're you're like trying to save your money in case like a pandemic were to ever happen so that you'd have this bank of money. But what's shocking about how they're doing it is that this is the time. Like this is the pandemic probably in their season, you know. They they don't have George Springer. They've only got, you know, arguably two to three starting pitchers. Their bullpen's probably doing better than you could expect them to keep doing. Um and they've just been they've been dealing with a lot of injuries and they've also had some you know underperformance from some of their key players but that's starting to shift so that's what's so good about it is that they're four games over 500 now mm -hmm. and you know let's let's say that george springer comes back someday <laughs> let's say that we see him in a blue jays uniform not that far off let's say that alec manoa comes up here with a blue jays uniform and he's you know somewhat serviceable let's say that nate pearson uh it comes up again maybe you never know and right. um and then what happens you know then then you can really start to bank some games yeah no doubt i'm just excited about this this month or this like two weeks of of getting red Sox, raise yankees back to back because i feel like there's such a deadlock in the east right now and this is gonna mm -hmm. this is gonna shift the balance of power a bit we're gonna see who's good and especially if we win some of those series, the way we're shorthanded right now. Oh man, it feels the schedule's weird. Like all this interleague, Braves, Nationals, Phillies. Now we haven't even played the Orioles yet. Yeah. We haven't even played every team in our division. Right, it's really yeah, weird. Yeah, it's it, it's certainly strange. 
I mean, it, I'm surprised. I thought we were going to be playing someone familiar tonight, but yeah, going to another like playing the Phillies. Yeah. It's, it's strange. It didn't. I was going to say we played the Phillies already this season, but that's no, spring training, the Nationals. Right? Right. Yeah, we play, I think we only only played the Phillies in spring training. That's that's right. <laughs> um, but we're we're back at home. We also it feels like we haven't played many home games at all this season. I mean, like this road. Trip. They said it on the broadcast the other night. It's a crazy discrepancy between home and road games this year. We've played. I, I can't remember I what I, it is. We played but eleven like, games. We're seven at, and four, I believe, at home. Yeah. And we've played almost 40 games, so we've played like <laughs> only a third of our games at home so far. Um, mm. And at home is when the numbers really jump off the page for a lot of the hitters, too, particularly. You know, Bo Bichette for a while was was well noted to be crushing at home. Um, but you brought up Nate Pearson. I wanted to talk a little bit about that guy. Um, moments before we went live here, we we saw on t- on Twitter little news reports, little notifications, little ding dongs coming up on our phones saying that uh, Nate Pearson was reporting having shoulder impingement, and uh, he's gonna he's 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 reported Nate Pearson. This is a tweet from Hazel May. I just pulling up here. Nate Pearson reported with a mild right shoulder impingement yesterday. He was able to play long toss with good intensity and will travel to Trenton today. Nate will not make his next scheduled start for Buffalo per Blue Jays. Fine. Kill him. Let's put him down. Let's give him give him some AstraZeneca. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what's happened. I feel like I've got a shoulder impingement from a Pfizer yesterday. Maybe he got his shot. It would be nice if there was some excuse that he could have. I don't think mild shoulder impingement is going to be the thing, but I'm sure he would love that to be considered. Isn't this um, what happened last season? He he came up and was bad and then said he was injured and... You're like, oh, okay, I guess that explains why he's bad. Didn't yeah, that happen? I, yeah, he's definitely been injured over the last, I mean, for most of his professional career, he's dealt with injuries. But I don't know, man. If I think if you, they, I've heard them say, I've heard them, them, they who know, say that if you were to do like MRIs, x-rays, whatever kind of imaging on any major league pitcher, you could find an injury. Mm-hmm. So I, I would imagine mild shoulder impingement is par for the course. And is that like, I feel like I would describe like waking up with like a pinch in my neck from sleeping odd. Is that an impingement? If I woke up without something I could describe as an impingement, that would be a, a rare day. I don't, I can't, I don't even know what that would feel like at this point in my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm walking around for the first hour. Like I was in the NFL for 15 years of my day like that. Like, and then things start to heat up. What, what did you, what was your take? What was your, we haven't talked since, since the Nate Pearson outing, uh, there was, you know, I think a couple of days worth of talk radio discussions about whether he should be sent down, whether he should work it out in the majors, what what we should be doing with Nate Pearson. What did you think? 
I, th- I think a lot of things. I think, uh, I think right away, I think they did him a little dirty. I, th- I do think they did him a little dirty, bringing him up for one start and then bringing him down. He's somebody that, in my opinion, is struggling with his uh, mental fortitude and emotional fortitude. And so to bring him up and then have him struggle like that and then bring him right down, it's not going to help that situation. I was thinking about this. I want to run today, actually. Do you ever, uh, when you were younger, do you ever do uh, drugs? No. <laughs> anyway, so I did drugs one time, just one time. And uh, what was helpful was somebody who had done drugs before to tell you what you were going to experience. They would be like, hey, you know, you're going to maybe start to get a little bit anxious. You might start to be like delusional. You might start to hallucinate. You might start to get like a heart, uh, your heart might race. You might start to crash. And all of that is perfectly normal. So don't think that that's abnormal if you start to experience those things. And if you experience those things, then, hey, you come to me. Like I'm an old drug guy and I've been doing drugs forever. And I feel like Nate Pearson needs that i feel like he needs like a drug guy to help him with his emotions on the mound the stuff is there it's there but it feels like he was red in the face just sweating he looked anxious his eyes were darting around and when he walked off the field he looked up to the sky as if to i don't know to me it suggested some sort of like i thought we talked about this (laughs) i thought you were gonna help me and so for me, it's all up in his head. And I think he just needs to be better prepared mentally. And, and all this changing in his mechanics is whatever. But I don't know. The stuff's always been there. He, he seems to be perhaps, I'll even go as far to say, maybe weak mentally. I don't know. I, can, I, I hear all that, but I don't see... Not that there's any way to prove that. I just don't necessarily feel like the evidence suggests that to me. And I also disagree. I don't don't know if I agree or disagree, but I don't really feel like I agree about the club doing him dirty, necessarily sending him down, because I don't know if I really care. Um. (laughs) No, your mouth opened again. I was. I thought I you were about I, to I, say something. I, 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 I was, but I was gonna. I was trying to make sure if you were done with that thought before I jumped in on that. But. Well, okay. I, I guess. I guess that the, the thinking is like we called him up for a reason. You know, we needed him to to pitch some innings. He couldn't do it. And this is my thinking about sending him down versus not sending him down and i don't think we should have sent him sent him down you know you got to work it out in the big no we we don't have time we don't have time we're trying to win I, I mean as far as i can tell we're trying to win the league we're trying to we're trying to get to the world series we're a playoff team we don't have time to mess around with with our with some prospect some kid to try and figure out if he can throw the ball in the strike zone every 5 days and get his get rocked I, He's not just some prospect, though. He's a guy that you've put all this effort and this like money into, and he's one of your biggest chips. So you have to work with him the way that he needs to be worked with, and it can't fall into just some generic way we deal with players. If you want to reap the benefits of somebody that has a ceiling like him, and maybe you don't like the way that he goes about something, maybe you don't like 
uh, how he's mentally weak or whatever. Let's say he is, maybe he isn't. Um, you have to cater to him in some way to try to get all the benefit out of him. And I just think that, you know, he had that one start in, in, in Buffalo or whatever, where you've pitched three and two thirds innings, or maybe it was two, no, three and two thirds innings. He had like eight strikeouts and the narrative was that the umpire was squeezing him. Otherwise he would have went longer. So he just had that one start that was an okay start. They bring him up and he looks like shit and he did look like shit. But in my opinion, you just got to burn one off for the pan and give him another shot. And then, and then it's fair game to, to send him down be like, Hey man, like we got to win these games and like, you got to be better. But, but, but maybe it, they didn't need to see another one. Maybe he did a bullpen session or something and still couldn't throw the ball to where the catcher's hand is. For sure, there's other factors. Like maybe they talk to him after the game and they're like, this kid's not ready. Like he is in his head. He is anxious. He's, you know, not ready for this moment, maybe. But I don't know. It just feels to me that they should have given him one more crack. I I agree with everything you're saying. If he had, if I feel like he was meeting a certain minimum which I don't feel like is there. Like, I feel like if he got, if people were hitting him, he, like he, he was throwing balls that were <clears throat> in the strike zone and he couldn't get guys out and things were kind of working, but it was sort of like inexplicable. And like he was getting overwhelmed because he was getting hit. I would be like, okay, great. I can, we can work with this. It makes sense to have Pete Walker try and work with this. But when, the bare minimum isn't there. I feel like he needs to be sent off to just be able to come and throw the ball sort of where he wants to because I can I can go to a guy who isn't our top chip prospect. I can I can have I don't know like just just some of the worst starters or the worst relievers in the league can at least throw strikes. I, I I hear exactly what you're saying, and no, Nate Pearson's history does not uh, suggest that he that that walking people is an odd thing for him to do. He definitely walks people, but I just think that in a start like that, in a moment like that, where there's been a lot of hype, and this guy's trying to fight his way back to the big leagues, like he wasn't supposed to be in Buffalo this year. He was supposed to be one of the dudes, and so I think you have to take some allowance to the fact that that was going to be a difficult start for him with all those factors coming in and that perhaps that's not the norm of what you're expected to see from him, but that you, you just say, you know what, uh, that one, that one was for you. You get one more, like you, you were going to burn that one off <laughs> and you get one more. We're going to assume that you coming up and facing one of the best offenses in baseball in a big hyped moment, it was, you know, complicated for you. And, and that was shown by your inability to throw strikes, five walks, zero strikeouts. I don't know. It, you, it, how you deal with Nate Pearson and what Nate Pearson becomes is a massive um, point of focus for this organization. If he becomes nothing, if he becomes some dud who can't throw strikes in the big leagues, that doesn't look good. So how you deal with him is going to be very important. How he deals with himself is going to be sure. very important. I don't know how I don't know how anyone could get in there and be like, 
you know, it's like, I, I don't know how they can fix what he's doing. You know, I feel like well, he who needs told to him fix to fix it. his mechanics. I don't know. So I think Nate Pearson needs to learn a little bit of go fuck yourself is what I actually think, because I think that a little go fuck yourself would go a long way with him being like, stop making me uh, change my mechanic. He was in his head on that in that start. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're like, he's not ready with all these changes we've given him. He's just not able to um, perform the, 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 all these changes. But then, well, what was he doing before? When he was throwing 101, 102, and he was striking people out, and he was one of the top prospects in baseball, and now they want him to to pitch differently, and oh. you know, it's because of the way that he threw last year. They want him to to change something, and so, but maybe maybe he needs to tell people to go fuck themselves. But maybe they're saying you need to change this because if you don't, you're going to continue to get hurt. Like maybe there's some there's something in the mechanics that's causing him to hurt himself. I think. Well, you sure. Maybe it's the mechanics, but I think it's also, you know, he's been on the record saying, I want to be the only guy to ever throw 110. Maybe it's something to do with that. Maybe he's just trying to throw the ball too goddamn hard. Maybe. Uh, it was interesting watching him trying to figure out how he could throw a strike. And it's like, <laughs> maybe if I throw it less hard and then it would like go like down way below and be like 93, 94. And then you'd see, or, or it would be like, sometimes when he was throwing less hard, it would be like way high. And then he'd throw, he'd be like, okay, I don't know. Maybe if I just try and gas it up and then he'd throw 98, like almost into the ground. It's like, he just has, it looked like he had no idea how to just throw the ball straight to the catcher. (laughs) It's like one of those movies where like somebody else is like um, inside somebody's body. Yeah. Like it's like the body swap or whatever. And it's like, it was like me or you were inside Nate Pearson and we were like, oh shit, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And everyone sees Nate Pearson and they're like, oh, Nate looks fucked up today. And we're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. It, I mean, it also reminded me of, of me trying to throw a blitz ball and just like having, <laughs> not knowing how it works or like not, <laughs> not having ever learned a delivery on how to, how to pitch a ball and just like spending 150 pitches throwing, <laughs> throwing at you, beaning you and, uh, you know, eventually, figure, oh, okay, this is sort of how it works. It's like, it looked like he was new to pitching, which yeah. was alarming. And he looks super stressed and I'm sure that's how you get a shoulder impingement because you're tight. Yep. Yep. Well, who knows when we'll see him again. He's skipping his start in Buffalo. Um, who knows what that means. But uh, I, I, I'm guessing we're going to see Mr. Manoa first. What do you think? Are you ready for Alec Manoa? What, what's your take on oh, bringing man, him? I'm ready. I'm ready. I mean, these aren't my kids. I just want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. I want the, the hype of the moment. I want to see him. I, I mean... I do. I think that he's going to come up soon. Yeah. Like, why not? If he pitches a couple more starts like that in Buffalo, why not? It's hard to have patience. Whatever the fuck they are. Right. Like it's so hard to feel, um, like, like we can wait. It feels like everything is, is, uh, is dire right now to me, even though we are, uh, playing well, surviving without the pitching. For me, it's also that it's, I'm okay with just just seeing what it's like and just seeing where he's at and having it be that, you know, like your drug buddy says to you, like before we do these drugs, like 
hey, man, we're just going to do these drugs. You're going to come up to the big leagues. It might not work out, but we just want to see where you're at. Now, we don't want you to get too disappointed if it doesn't go well. And if it goes well, you know, then we'll keep building from there. But this doesn't have to be like the moment you get called up and you're going to stay up here forever. But you're pitching really well down here. And we want all the major league coaches to work with you because we think that you've hit that next stage. And maybe he comes up, maybe it doesn't work out. But I think that I'm fine with either of those outcomes it going well or not going well yeah he's never done it before yeah i know i guess that's the thing that i sort of feel as well and and i also have this like element of like i don't know if i'm gonna feel any different if he does it for four more starts versus if he does it for one i feel like we're either choosing small sample size or like i don't know maybe we don't see him until august because I, I I don't see a difference between one more start and triple A. Um like if if next if next start is just as dominant or if next start is bad and he gets rocked. I don't know. Like like I don't I don't know why we're supposed to read into like one start ever. You know, yeah. he is what he is at this point. I don't know, just take a look. Just give him like it's not like we're a team that's like, well, our rotation is pretty set here. You know, it's going to be very difficult for any pitcher to break this dynamic pitching rotation. No, we need pitching. We need yeah. starters. Yeah. And I guess, I guess the thinking is, right, he's coming up this year. So we're going to start the clock. We're going to make the 40-man move. He's going to join the team. And we're going to start his clock at some point this year. It's already past the time when it would count as a full season. So that isn't a consideration unless we're literally thinking of not bringing him up this year, which is hard to imagine that being a possibility. And I can't imagine they think it's a possibility or he wouldn't have started in AAA. Start in AA. And well, the last thing you'd want too is for him to be in Buffalo and just get injured. Or not Buffalo. I keep saying Buffalo. They don't play in Buffalo. Where the fuck they play? Well, they're the Buffalo Bison uh, still, even if they're in uh, no, I Trenton or wherever. Trenton? Trenton, yeah. I don't know what Trenton um, is, but I don't know. I think it's a house. Um, but if he gets injured down there and then he can't come up at all, it's like, it, how many bullets does he have? So let's put them in the major leagues if they're effective. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look to see if they're effective, and then we'll know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't mind. Like I, I wouldn't mind if he started the next game. I also wouldn't mind <laughs> if he didn't come up for like a month, month and a half. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I feel like I really want to see him, but I also feel like even if he came up and was good for three games in the major leagues, I feel like I could read too much into that and it could mean nothing. I mean, look at Steven Matz. You know, like he could start a season and completely think, make us feel like we've changed our minds completely. And Steven Matz is a new pitcher. And then it slowly starts to feel like now we're going back to, okay, Steven Matz keeps coming back. And uh, you know what I mean? I was, I I do. And I was thinking about this today when I was on my run again is uh, I feel like because we're, we're so quick to react to things when we watch baseball games and small sample sizes. And I, I feel like fans are always, uh, involved in whether or not we're being lied to. 
I think we're always on edge that we're being lied to about something. We're being lied to that. Is this guy who's good? Is he actually bad? Is this guy who's, who's bad? Isn't he supposed to be good? Uh, you know, what's the organization doing? Why aren't we winning games? Like we're always wondering who's lying to us. And like, is Steven Matt's lying to us? Like, is like, what are you actually, man? Are you good? Are you bad? We need to put you into a category. And he's like, well, actually this is what I'm like. I'm sort of inconsistent. Right. Well, hopefully, hopefully he's inconsistent (laughs) because I'm worried that he might consistently be not good, but he's on the mound tonight. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll get a. We'll get a we'll get a saying once and for all whether he's good or not. <laughs> well, I think it's tough too for Matts to face these NL East teams. Like we saw when he faced Washington earlier this year, he got hit around. Now he's going to face the Phillies. That's where he lived his whole his whole baseball life is in the NL East. These yeah. teams know him, and like he probably has some like you know when he came to the Blue Jays and was facing these American League teams and he had all this success. He's like, I'm I'm me again, and I've moved away from all those bullies and people that made fun of me. And then when he plays those teams, he's like, Oh no, they've seen me as being horrible. Oh yeah. no, oh, no, yeah. I mean, pff, Bryce Harper, lefty lefty bomb tonight. I I think that's a strong possibility. Yeah, he, he's playing well, too. <laughs> yeah, he is. He sure is. And I feel like he always hits a... I, every time he plays the Blue Jays, I feel like he hits a home run. Did you see Bryce Harper get hit in the face a couple yeah, weeks I ago? I sure did. <laughs> and it was straight in the chops. Like, he got hit straight in the chops, like, took a knee and walked off the field. Like, I was... I was shocked that he just took it like that. Yeah. The it slow was motion a, of his face just like cratering. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even know how he's still playing and hitting the ball. Like I, I feel like I mean I feel like that took years for Giancarlo Stanton to get over the obviously obviously he got hit worse. He needed like total reconstructive surgery on his face. But nevertheless, getting hit in the face has gotta fuck you up mentally. Yeah. I don't know if I think it does for most people. There's something about Bryce Harper where I feel like that didn't phase him at all. It's just like, that's baseball. Look at my hair. <laughs> Do I care? No, I've got amazing hair. Look at my shiny belt. I'm going to hit a home run now and drive a truck. <laughs> Do you think he has the best hair in baseball? Ooh. Um, I think he... I think he has the most confidence in his hair in baseball. <laughs> when he does that like snap back of his hair, like, man, that's like a Vidal Sassoon commercial. Mm-hmm. You slowed that up. My God. It's uh, it's he's a very confident guy. For yes. Sure. He's got, I mean, I was just thinking about him versus Bo and like the volume of Bryce's hair versus Bo's hair. Is, it's, it's on a completely different planet. Yeah. I don't even think that they're in the same contest. Yeah, I mean Dansby Dansby Swanson from the Braves. He he, nah, he, come on, come on. He's got some solid hair. Are we talking about just the the hair and the follicles? Are we talking about the style too? I don't know. I'm I'm just thinking about the kind of like the kind of similar kind of wavy flow that we're. I'm thinking of who, who to compare to to Bryce. I think if I think if Corey Seager wanted to grow his hair out, he he could battle. He could battle. Nah, with, it's too uh, straight. Bryce hair. Oh man, it's thick as fuck. That shit would get wavy if you dr- if you grew that out. Ooh. Yeah, I mean we've we've had this conversation before. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do a whole off-season episode just on Major League Hair. It might be yeah. a multi-series. It, it, it might have to start a new podcast. Major League Hair. That's a good show. It is a good show. There would be such a big fan base for that. Oh my god! Such yeah, a, such a big one. And my we god. could like bring in major leagues guests and exclusively discuss hair. I can just feel the listeners right now being like, "Keep talking about hair. <laughs> Keep talking about hair. This is why we're here. This is why we're here." And then we're like, "Oh, actually, everyone tuned out in the first twenty minutes of the conversation where we didn't mention baseball." <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. Fuck them. Yeah, 78 episodes. Yeah. Um how about how about uh my guy Marcus Simeon? Oh Bo- wow. Fuck. The way he's been playing um the the like kind of under the radar how good he's been. Like I feel like it was a little bit of a slow start, but I also I didn't ever feel concerned because I looked at him and I didn't feel like he was even concerned in the slightest, which is so, it, it makes me feel so confident. But I saw a tweet the other day and I saved it because it was, blew my mind. Uh, be a Scott Blue Jays always, who's never not tweeting about the Blue Jays. Um, always tweeting Blue Jays. His name is Scott, I guess. And this is what the tweet said. It said, Marcus Simeon among AL second baseman. 807 OPS, first. Eight home runs, first. 19 RBIs, third. Six stolen bases, tied for second. 1.2 war, first. One error, tied for first. And that's just in his uh, his full year. If you look at his last 15 games, that OPS is like 1-1. Yeah. And that average is like 370. He is... He is uh, battling for the MVP 2019 Marcus Simeon right now. Yeah, he's he's amazing. And I, I, uh, he got so much flack, I feel like, at the beginning of the year for only hitting the fastball. But it feels like, it feels like he's created a sort of system for how a year in baseball works. And it's like, I'm going to spend the first, I don't know, month maybe, I'm just going to look for the fastball. I'm going to figure out the timing of what a fastball is. I'm going to try and pull it. So I have the fastest timing available. From then, I will start looking at seeing if I can hit fastballs the other way. Once I've got that timing down, it feels like there's just like this checklist. And now it's like, yep, I've figured out baseball. Now I play and I'm going to be the best second baseman in the league. Well, it was like I was saying about we always feel that we're being lied to. And I think people just jumped on him because it's like, this is the guy we got for $18 million. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, he can't. And it was like, wait. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. And even I can even say that to myself at times. David, wait. For Christ's sakes, wait. Look, and like you're saying, such such confident demeanor. I mean, if you put a picture of Marcus Simeon's confident face next to Nate Pearson staring up at the sky after his start, I mean, that's a contrast for you. Yep. And I, I don't know. I feel like it's rubbing off on the team. And I feel like he's got to be such a great person in that clubhouse for anyone who's struggling. And knowing that there's always a way out. I mean, look at Kevin Biggio right now, too. This Kevin Biggio, his at-bats the last week, especially in, this, in the Braves series, he was driving the ball. 
into the gaps he, like 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 hit a high fastball run. yeah he, hit, he hit a high fastball i was like oh my god i didn't even know you could do that i know you like swinging at them but my god i didn't know you could do that and i didn't know like i guess it was his first or his second double of the season because i uh, i've talked about it before but i feel like it's always walk strike out or home run but this was it felt like the first time i saw him just like lofting liners like like ones that just had that like sweet like like uh I was sort of I realized I was sort of hiling like <laughs> I couldn't see the full image because of the size of the screen. Uh but yeah, kind of like a crocodile angle, like crocodile mouth, like a little like uh like a acute triangle, kind of just straight liner go, but going straight towards the wall, banging off the wall, that like super satisfying when you club a ball like that. That was You're talking a, about a fully a fully open croc's mouth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's in. I don't know. He's he's is he making errors anymore in the field? It doesn't seem like it. I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I don't think about it as much anymore. And, and defense we, in general has been so much better. And we talked about that, right? Maybe it was two episodes ago. We're like, there's just going to be a time you can sense it where the guys are going to start hitting or they're going to win games, and then suddenly the focus isn't going to be about them playing bad defense and they're just going to be not noticeable probably. And it'll be fine. I also defense. don't think that we've, I don't think we've done an episode. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think we have. I don't think we've done an episode since Guriel threw that flat footed rocket to home plate. And, uh, do you remember that mm-hmm. there was mm-hmm. like a, a shot to left field. I, it might've been against the Braves. I can't remember. It was a flat-footed, like ninety-mile-an-hour strike that he threw to uh, home plate. It was one of the best throws in the outfield I've ever seen in yep. my life. And for all of his faults in terms of his routes to balls and everything, he has a world-class cannon in left field. I think it was against the Astros. It was it was Maldonado. I, I think it was the catcher yeah, running. It was on the him. Astros. Yeah, yeah, it was the Astros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember Maldonado getting up after like he didn't even make it into the plate he got blocked and just smoked um and i remember maldonado getting up like looking like at the third base guy like i like the coach like what who, what were you thinking sending me there like i wasn't even close <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah i mean he's got a great arm i'd still i don't know i don't know what to make of of Lourdes Curiel jr right now i don't know how to how to feel about it like if if it could just have him throwing the ball on the team right now that'd be great Every now and then, maybe he Lourdes did pitch. Curiel, yeah, well, he did pitch that one game, I believe. Um, every now and then, Lourdes Gurriel does something that makes me think that baseball is like a relatively new thing for him. He, he can look totally fine and he can look amazing at times. But then every now and then, it was yesterday when he uh, was stealing second and he dove way too soon. Like he dove like 20 feet from the base and lost all his momentum and speed and it looks so awkward and he he does a very good job at uh, like pulling up his hands the and swimming strokes and stuff yeah like that's a really great move that he has but everything else was awful mm-hmm. and he looks like that in the outfield sometimes he almost looks like he's a top tier like nba star and like they're just like you want to try playing baseball so like when you watch him you're like, oh he's very athletic he's got a great like baseball body his swing is amazing but then every now and then you're like what the fuck was that yeah yeah doesn't it just feel like he's the next one though 
like he's just the next guy where it's like we all focus on him being bad and we're like, oh, he's going to lose his playing time and then he's going to start hitting and Randall Gritchick's going to not be hitting and we're like, oh, time to get rid of Randall Gritchick. I guess Randall Gritchick's the bench guy now and he's not in the outfield like we thought we was and he's back to being Randall Gritchick and Lourdes Gurriel's back to being Lourdes Gurriel. <laughs> it's like the, the I, cycle continues. I think about that and I think about like how much leash will actually give Randall Grishik as fans. He's been so good for us and he's been so productive and he's filled the hole of George Springer so well and the hole of Guriel not being uh, good offensively. But I feel like Grishik with the fan base is one of those guys of like he goes cold for two weeks. We will absolutely turn on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I won't. I love Grishik, but I feel like it'll be a thing. You know what I can't handle anymore? Is is Blair and Barker talking about how maybe he should continue to play center field instead of George Springer when George Springer comes back and how he's a better center fielder than than George Springer? Why don't you like that? Just because you feel like um, your 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 big your big alpha is it, that's. I feel like this is a similar thing for you when you didn't want Bobuchet to play second base. <laughs> maybe it is maybe it is but it's more so that i feel like they don't i feel like they haven't watched george springer play enough center field particularly because they haven't seen him play for the blue jays once so they're basing it off of like the back of their mind like remembering watching astros playoff games george springer just like sort of a feeling maybe maybe barker's looking at some numbers and seeing that that some so there's some advanced stats that says Grichik's better at center field, but like they're both they're both better right fielders than they are center fielders. George obviously wants to be a center fielder. That's his position. He's gonna play that. So why we why even like why even why would it even be a consideration that he might be a right fielder for us instead? Like it's not happening. It might just be a take. It might just be like that. It's like a a take that they've stuck to and that they like to keep saying i mean uh, grishik is a very like uh, reliable fielder Mm -hmm. i don't imagine he's the fastest guy i don't think he has the strongest arm but you don't notice him and there's i have a lot of comfort in him in any outfield position i haven't seen george springer play enough to really have an opinion about that either and if somebody tells me oh he's a better right fielder on the numbers like i don't care I just want to watch him play. Like there was times when I would love watching Kevin Pillar play and they'd be like, wow, the numbers suggest that he's actually not as good a center fielder as you feel he is. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm watching this for entertainment. Yeah. I know, like I want to see these guys play baseball. I don't care. Yeah. I guess it's just the amount of times that it always comes up. It's just like this thing like, nah, he's, he would be better if he was a right fielder. You know, what would be better is if you could uh, play baseball and he could hit. Because yeah. uh, right now he's not doing anything. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, anything else you want to get off your chest, David, about the Blue Jays? No. Is there anything that any fans of ours want to get off their chest about Tanner Rowan? Oh, yeah. Yes. Thank you <laughs> for reminding me. Um, last episode, or maybe it was the episode before last. No, it was last episode. We did some eulogies for Tanner Roark. We, uh, I don't know. I've I've had some second thoughts about some things I said, wondering if it'll if I'll ever listen to that again in the future and be like, wow, what? I can't believe I said that, but I did, and I'm gonna stick to it, um, because that's what we do on this show. But um, 
Ross Atkins had some things to say about Tanner Roark. We got a eulogy in our reviews section, just like we asked. David said, if you want to do a eulogy, write it in the reviews. And and we did get one from Ross Atkins um, continuing to interact with us <laughs> via, <laughs> via the reviews here. Um, he gave us a five-star review with this eulogy for, for Tanner Roark. And he titled it, Goodbye, Tanner. And he says... Tanner, through these two miserable years of watching you pitch, there was always a sense of security. Whenever you stepped onto the mound, I knew for certain that we were going to lose. I never had to wonder what was going to happen. And that's something that no pitcher on our staff could do. And that's truly special. I also love how you would get shelled every single outing and blame it on our organization for not pitching you more. An act of a true teammate. Above all, if there's one thing I know through this whole thing, it's that I'm going to miss making fun of you. And that's not even a joke. Please do everyone a favor. Save an innocent fan base out there the agony and never pitch again. Thank you, Tanner. Wow. I can't believe that's how Ross really feels. And that (laughs) Ross feels this comfort in, you know, sneaking into our little review section on the Apple podcast and that he can say what he really feels like about his, his former uh, player on his, on his club. And, and that he still has the, the odd cojones to put his real name on it. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the most shocking thing about it is that he's going on uh, our messaging on Apple podcast, but he's like, no, I'm going to put my actual name on here and say, and say what I mean as well. It's, it's a classic move because no one would believe that you would actually do that. So you can feel comfort in just fully saying it's you, you know, everyone's going to assume he's being framed that it's someone else, but really we, it's legitimately him. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, if you want to interact with us, uh, if you want to leave us a review, if you want to write a eulogy for someone, if you want to give a hot take, something you want read on the show, uh, so far we're we're we're, uh, we're we're reading everything that goes into that section. So please leave a review, leave a leave a comment. Uh, you, you can also do it on Twitter. You can send us a, a direct message. You can send you can tag us in a tweet at Underdogs Canada. Anything like that. Uh, interact with us. Um, but if you if you got the AstraZeneca vaccine and you want to use this as a platform to say goodbye to your loved ones, we will also read that yep. on air, and so you can hit more people up. Yep. Anything. Yep. 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 Let I, I please, please, someone do that. I would love to read that. <laughs> um, I I I can go in a number of different directions too. If you have a specific way you want me to read it, maybe you wanted it. <laughs> in an accent you know we, we both are professional actors here um and it says you know on our resumes I, I don't know about you david but i got some special skills some some accents in my uh, on my resume you know i've ridden some horses don't think i haven't yeah all right so three game series starts against the phillies tonight I mean, by the time you're listening to this episode, it might be after the game because, you know, our schedules don't always line up with uh, the Blue Jays' schedules, and we try and try and get an episode out, and then all of a sudden, the game's happening. You're like, oh, should I listen to that one about the last series? I don't know. Just listen. Keep <laughs> listening. Tell your friends. 
It's underdogs. 